0: the next episode of the Shane Walsh podcast so today's episode was probably been one of my favorites for a little while and it's one of my favorite guests other than getting the clients on to talk about their amazing journeys today's episode is with Adam Richardson so Adam has got a unique way to provide information about mobility and to make it fun and make it attainable to people who are sitting at a desk all day but And he has a brand new book called, called The Mobility Method that's coming out very, very soon. So please click on the link in the show notes to order that and pre-order that. But today's episode with him was just ramble chats. I sent him over questions beforehand and nothing that we were going to talk about regarding mobility we actually spoke about. We talk a, a lot about mental health. It feels like it's just two people having a chat over a cup of coffee, which I think are my preferred source of energy. I'm a preferred source of podcasts, if that makes any sense, because it's just two open people having a chat about mental health, perfection. We talk about a load of different things. So I hope you enjoy the episode with Adam Richardson. So before I start today's podcast, I'm delighted to announce as a brand new sponsor for the Shane Walsh podcast. So I want you to stop, think and ask yourself, do you feel like the best version of yourself? Are you stressed, having trouble sleeping or issues with pain management? Introducing Irish-owned CBD Self Premium CBD Oil, the natural solution to reducing anxiety, improving sleep and helping with pain management. CBD Self oils are made from the finest organically grown hemp, ensuring the best quality and purity. All oils are produced the highest standard and are independently third-party lab tested. CBD Self have a range of CBD oils with different strengths based on your unique needs and are very proud to introduce their brand new product, De-Stress Oil. This uniquely formulated oil targets stress and anxiety. Become your best self with CBD Self. Visit www.cbdself.com to order yours today. And as a sponsor of the podcast, I'm honoured and delighted to give you a 15% discount for all listeners of the Shane Walsh podcast. So please use the code Shane15 to get 15% off your order. Now for the podcast.
1: Adam, how are we, sir? Hello, senor. Yeah, I'm wonderful. Thank you, Mister Shane. I appreciate you having me on, mate. It's nice to meet you. Thank you so much for for coming on. I know we were kind of chatting there. Sometimes I can forget to press record,
0: uh, and we kind of got into little tangents. Um, we've realised that your girlfriend is from Dublin as well, so that's uh, it's great that you're kind of keeping the Irish
1: flag going over there. I'm trying to bridge the connection, Shane. I am. One thing is, I'm probably the most English man. I mean, I don't really think that will come as much of a shock. My name is Adam Richardson and I look like this. But we get taught like nothing about Ireland growing up, like, absolutely nothing. Like, everything that we're taught is positioned to make England look amazing. And like, it ain't so good, Shane. And I don't have to tell you, I'm trying to bridge the gap. Yeah, it's not great. So like my um, my
0: brother's wife is a teacher. And she got a bit of a grilling, like the first couple of times, she's going, so what did they teach you in school? And what do you teach in school? Zero. Like
1: zero. Nothing. Like propaganda to a (laughs) T. It is, you know, like try and make us look like war heroes in like World War II. And I'm not here to speculate on uh, any individual art playing in those situations. But yeah, we talk very, very, very little about like our history and how we look incredibly bad. Like eight hundred years of oppression. Well, what a cheery way to start, Shane? Anyway, I was going to keep a uh, light-hearted,
0: but let's go into the old uh, the famine and the rape and pillage of our country, and <laughs> let's just start with that. Um, but um, um, so you've had you've had a bit of a, a whirlwind few years,
1: yeah, to say the least. I mean, I feel incredibly blessed. I, uh, I I don't think you ever really anticipate what's going to happen to you when you're in a position where you make like drastic life changes and yeah the universe has been incredibly kind to me mate so i'm very much just riding the wave and trying not to get overwhelmed by it to be honest uh yeah a little, little so hard, baby man. on the way a little girl due in april um moving into a house and writing a book uh which is uh three things i don't think i ever thought i'd say to be to be a shame so yeah very very blessed very grateful very appreciative amazing that's class that's amazing uh massive congrats to thank you team. mate <laughs> i appreciate it i really do. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's quite funny, isn't it? I mean, I, I don't really know a huge amount about your background into like being a personal trainer. Uh, I know you said you've been in it for like six years, but I know for most of us when we first started in the industry, I mean, it was like 5 a.m. wake-ups, getting a bus like an hour across London to get paid like £9 an hour to work in a tiny little gym and then training people in the parks, just doing anything I possibly could to like just earn a wage. I was on a dole for a bit, but I was like the happiest I'd ever been doing yeah. any of that. So to see it sort of manifest itself into this, I'm just so grateful to everyone that's been a part of that from the beginning and sort of believed in me. Um, so, yeah, it's it's pretty bloody incredible, mate. I'm uh, very, very, very appreciative.
0: I was driving in the car this morning, your story there about kind of doing the stuff in the park. So Joe Wicks was on the radio, on Irish Radio this morning, um, and your story kind of overlaps a lot with what he says in that he started out at the parks doing the boot camps. There would be no people that show up, but yet he... Felt he was more content at that stage because it was kind of like it was enjoying the process. He knew that it was kind of going to go somewhere. And it was just about kind of getting people in and making them happy. And that's what he feeds off, it's that energy off people. And you can see that from him as well. Uh, so it's interesting to see that kind of like you're, there's a lot of overlap between the
1: two of Yeah, I guess it's interesting when you think about like what actually makes you happy as a human being. And uh, I heard, I think, with Jimmy Carr talking about it the idea that like disposition is more important than position. Like your trajectory is more important than where you are in your life and there are plenty of times i used to have it with my old job where you're kind of in this like corporate carrot on a stick without really realizing it and you find yourself striving for a promotion that you don't really care about and you get it and then all of a sudden you're like wait i, I don't really actually want this that much and when you actually find yourself in a situation where you're working towards something that you actually care about and you enjoy it's like in line with your values like, that's really fulfilling and. You know, don't get You know, money is lovely. <laughs> like I haven't had money like, ever in my life, apart from just like struggling to, to get by with your monthly wage. And when you get to a point where you don't have to necessarily like worry about, are you going to be able to pay your rent? It's an unbelievable feeling. And anyone that says money doesn't bring you happiness. I, I disagree to a certain point, but there's a tipping point. And yeah. actually like if you're acting in line with the things that you care about in your life, that's what, a, what fulfillment is about. Granted, you can meet your basic human needs. I think that's what it's really about, isn't it? When it comes down to money being happiness. But yeah, man, I'm yeah. so, so, so thankful. I mean, you said you've been in it for six years. What did you, were you in recruitment before? Yeah, you you've, you've gone deep there. Yeah, yeah, because I think you were listening to the Gavin episode. Yeah, I was in
0: recruitment for, in and out of recruitment, recruitment and sales for about five or six years before.
1: Money was great, but it wasn't bringing me happiness. Um, yeah, we come from a similar background in that one. Like a, a sales esque sort of background. Yeah. And yeah,
0: same thing. Yeah. And I think my brain was always, I never knew what I wanted to do in, in school and college and stuff. I like did a master's in international business and it's kind of like, well, international business is just vague as hell.
1: It's like, kind of
0: being, it's <laughs> like being like, a, I want to be a transponder. <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense. Um, but then you, I kind of came out of it and then I fell into kind of, sales and recruitment, and it's kind of like, all right, I'm half decent at it, but like it kind of, I'm a, I'm naturally kind of an inverse. So to kind of be an extrovert, to kind of actually try and sell people. Like I started off with door-to-door sales when I was in college, trying to sell bins. That <laughs> was, was the grimmest jobs I've ever had. but And I never sold to a man.
1: I only ever sold to women. That was a fact. Makes you wonder what, I wonder what that says about um, how you related to those those people and what you probably learned from that how long were you doing to door sales selling bins probably about five or six months and i only work with females now i don't work with men i wonder what that is i mean i know you're somebody that's dived into um you know your psychology working with that I mean, I'm, I'm quite interested in learning a lot more about myself but i am um, i think for me sales was hands down one of the most influential things that I have ever done. Like how resilient you have to be to knock on someone's oh. door, get it slammed in your face, to get back up and do it again, I think is amazing. And if everybody did something like that for a few months of their life, I think they'd have a lot more appreciation for what it takes to be resilient and a bit gritty. Yeah, I, and I do I think... I was-
0: I do think it helped. I definitely do think it helps, particularly when you're kind of like, you are self-employed. Because if the if you're not gritty or you don't got determination, like you generally, you won't feed yourself, if you know what I mean. Like some people, we kind of have, be, we can be in this generation of like, well, I deserve this. Here's a handout. It's kind of like, <sighs> there's people that can get the handouts and still quite do, do quite well, but there's an element of that you need to almost... Hate being Gary Vee and kind of saying that you need to enjoy the hustle. I don't want to be that person, but there I do get a weird kick out of when a client comes in or a sponsor comes in or something like that. That I get that sense of achievement and I enjoy that process of talking through mm-hmm. and navigating that whole thing. Because uh, some people think that's the whole enjoyment piece is when you get it, it when actually dopamine receptors get little when you're doing the actual process so it's about enjoying what you're doing
1: and if i enjoy what i'm I doing it comes back I'd to that people it's a big thing I think it comes back to that you know trajectory is more important than your position about actually seeing the process and i think come back to being comfortable with being bad at something and being willing to again it's yeah i'm not really a big fan of the, the hustle side of things but the converse being if things do take work I just think there is like a, there's a Goldilocks zone, you know, where there's definitely too much, at least to like burnout, dissatisfaction, and there's definitely too little that doesn't stimulate change. And each person's going to have a different Goldilocks zone, depending on what they're trying to achieve, them as an individual and their skill set, their experience levels, but finding that like sweet spot, which doesn't stay the same, it moves and it changes and it oscillates depending on your stages in your life, but where that challenge is just about right but the willingness to be bad at something and to be uncomfortable failing and being rubbish and questioning how do I make that better and I think a lot of the time whether it's sales whether it's anything in your life that you the only way you will get better at doing it is by doing it I, I think about like juggling I'm not going to say I think about juggling a lot yes. like, every morning I wake up and think about juggling but I think there's so many things in life are like juggling in the sense of this sounds ridiculous. The only way you get better at juggling is by juggling. You can't think your way into doing it. But in order to learn, like you have to be willing to spend hours dropping those balls all over the floor. But the more you expose yourself to it, the more you're willing to be like patient with that process and know that every time you drop it, that's another repetition that like embeds itself in the learning process while your brain just naturally figures it out eventually you will get to a point where your brain will sort of solve that just through exposure but i think there are so many people in the world that the moment they hit that initial failure get this feeling of discomfort or embarrassment as if they're not supposed to be bad at something it's like no it's completely a part of the process be willing to drop the balls (laughs) be willing to get your hands all over the balls drop them that's a big part of it i can't remember why i went on that rant chain. I we have gone
0: we've gone from England taking over Ireland to playing with balls uh, the logical progression uh, somewhat the, the next logical uh, pro- I, I think it's a beautiful
1: national progression a conversation. thank you sir thank you thank you thank you um but yeah I, I feel I feel very grateful that I've had a lot of opportunity to touch and drop balls <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, Shane. Lowering the tone already. Um, I've you know, my I level, so I'm it, happy. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm glad I'm not alone. I'm glad I'm not alone. Um, but yes, yeah, mate, I, I appreciate the kind words. I'm very grateful to be in this position. Um, and I'm really excited to see where it goes, mate. I really, really, really am. And I'm excited to see it because it, 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 it's...
0: It, um, from talking to Gav and stuff, it's kind of like... Gav doesn't let many people in. Uh, he only lets people in that will kind of add value to his life. So that says a lot. Mm-hmm.
1: That's my oh mate! Look at me getting in the exclusive club. Yeah, shout out Kevin McKinney, good gentleman. I'm a big fan. Most uh, oh, yeah, sarcastic great, great man in Glasgow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's um, I have some amazing friends in Glasgow, and you know I moved up here to be with my partner after doing long distance for eighteen months, and you know, I, I'm so glad I did. Um, and I have some incredible friends here that have been like an amazing support network, but. I don't know many people that I guess share similar interests. Um, and, you know, long gone are sort of like my, my, my party days <laughs> and finding people I think that actually have like-minded interests that want to explore areas of not only just like fitness but personal development and et cetera, et cetera. Yep. You can have a laugh with, I think, is, is so, so, so important. And, yeah, he's, he's been a good good little addition in my life for that um shame ran my first ever half marathon this weekend smug. i don't know what it is about running that just makes me feel like really smug but like i just want to tell everyone i'm like uh, excuse me it's like it's kind of like how do you know someone's a vegan they tell you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> same with being a runner isn't it i wear obnoxious shoes and tell everybody i run um, yeah exactly. But yes, mate, it's been it's been a, been a nice a nice place being up here and I think yeah to meet and ex- uh, people that are quite like minded as well as the other uh, guys he runs uh, the podcast studio with Dale and, and James. Um yeah, really, really love gents. Uh, I do find that I'm not sure if you do the same, especially as you're you know the, the fitness industry, like you said, it is a bit of an odd one, isn't it? And I think often on social media, like myself, you get you get a version of myself. I yeah. get like the entirety of it. But it's um I think quite rare, not quite rare, sorry. The more you spend time in any sort of environment, whether it be on like the online space or in-person space, the more you do sort of draw people that are like-minded to you based on, I guess, what you do in the world and the more and more you sort of chip away. It's a weird, I don't understand how this works. I do almost feel like it is some sort of magnetic phenomenon that the more you act in the world... I guess, true to your values, the more you draw people in. If you could explain how that works, Shane, I'll be mind blown. And I'd love to know the answer. So if anyone knows, please let me know. But I do feel like that's a thing. Do you know what I mean? I would say it does because it, there's different people that come into your life at different
0: stages of your life. Like you would have people that you may have been your drinking buddies. There are people who maybe play football with. There will be people who you would maybe be in college with. You have a different group for different things. And I would always say, and I have said this to kind of clients and stuff, is that there's a lot of pressure that a lot of people put on their other half or people around them to be the one voice of reason in every aspect of their life. I can't remember what book I heard it in or read it in, but it was saying something like you need to have someone... That is, it can give you advice on finance. Have someone that will give you advice in relationships. Someone will give you advice in work. Someone will give you, it's too much pressure to put it into all in one person. But having different people that will give you, be able to give you advice on different areas and having the importance of having that kind of inner circle around you as well. I think that's a huge aspect. When I brought that in and closed the circle off, I actually felt more content than having by telling everything to everyone or saying nothing to no one. So it was a fine balance, but I found that if I had the five or six people that I was able to share things with, that person was good for that, that person was good for that. But that's not even like a conscious decision to say, right, all right what what quality is this person that I can help me with? They are good at finance, so let's go with them. I don't interview them as I kind of meet them, but it's, it's. I don't go, so checklist, checklist, checklist. The old recruiter, <laughs> yeah, can you have your CV to be yeah. my friend, please? Um. But it's, I find it that way that we kind of we listen and we meet people and kind of say, where can we point ourselves on that kind of hierarchy? Where can we find people that will link with us? I think when people, the first thing you meet, meet a new person, what do you do? Our first thing in our head is, where do we fit onto this egocentric society that we live in? Like, am I better or am I worse than this person? Because I know what I had a really ish, big issue of saying I was a PT. Because I heard a few times, like, oh, you're only a PT. And I was like, what the fuck does that even mean? And then you, now you know, I'm a nutritionist. Oh, you're fancy. And then they ask
1: you for diet advice. And then it's just getting really, really annoying and I walk away. Yeah. And it's uh, I think when I really agree with uh, the initial part of what you're saying about having different people in your life that provide different outlets. And the same way, I think we all have different versions of ourselves that you kind of need to shine the light on. I don't mean in the the split personality sense that there is a defined line between these characteristics, but it's the same way the way I talk to my mum versus the way I talk to my mate in the pub will be different because they're different versions of myself. And I think whether it is the person that you are playing football with or your partner, I really do agree with that. You need to have different humans that can satiate different aspects of your character. And there's, different versions of ourselves that come out in different moments. Like, like, again, I think back to Instagram. Instagram is like a version of myself. You know, it is me, but it is a version. It's not the entirety, and it's very hard to get that across um, in minute-long videos. So you choose particular characteristics in a way that are suitable to that environment. Um, But that being said as well, I think that when it comes down to other people's perception of us and I learned this very much in the sales environment that I was in that if I it's down to I don't know how to word this it's down to me to choose how I value somebody else's interpretation of how they see me you know so if I tell people I'm a personal trainer then somebody took that as oh you're just a personal trainer it's really hard to wrestle with this in that moment because it can really feel like a, an infraction on you as an individual. To, to step out of that moment, fucking hard, to recognise that that is a reflection of them rather than a reflection of me, I think is so important. I think where we are exposed to so many people's opinions constantly, it, I think it's really important to try and ground yourself with the fact that as long as you're not hurting anybody, the only person's opinion of yourself that really matters is yourself. And on top of that, the people whose opinions you choose to value, I can't remember where I heard it, but I like the idea that if you're not willing to ask somebody for advice, then you shouldn't be willing to take on their opinion. I don't think it is necessarily as black and white as that, but I like the concept for helping give a bit of a framework. If you find yourself easily pulled down by someone's opinions to go, actually, would I ask that person for advice? Probably not. I probably shouldn't really care too much about what they think of me. And this is coming from somebody that definitely cares what people think of me. like, of course I do, absolutely, everybody does. But I think it's important we all have tools that can help us ground us with that. I definitely think we all have different versions of ourselves. We all need different outlets. But it is really important as well to choose who we take opinions from and how we let them shape, how we see ourselves especially. That's the most important part.
0: And often we're kind of when we get generally offended by something that someone's done or something unsaid, it's often an issue we have with ourselves being projected onto that person or an insecurity that we have. So when I reflect back now and say that person was saying X, y, or Z about, um, I oh, would just being a PT. I wasn't comfortable with that just being my identity or I wasn't comfortable with that being, uh, dismissed as not a great career choice or any of that kind, of, because that's what I had valued previously. And I was still kind of lingering a little bit of like, well, my career is important but it was the wrong career. So there was an awful lot of, my, the self-worth was attached to what I was doing because if it's yourself self-employed and things don't go right, it can impact impact your mood. I'm not gonna say it doesn't impact my mood when mm-hmm. things don't go right or a client isn't happy or anything like that. I'm sure you're the same when you're writing the book at the minute. There'll be days where you're free flow and you're kind of like, I'm smashing this, and
1: there'll be days where you're kind of like, I want to do everything other than right. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying. Dealing with overwhelm is something I'm trying to get better at. I think we we all face it. Something I've been thinking a lot about recently, when I find myself getting overwhelmed, and I don't think this just all of a sudden removes that feeling whatsoever. Again, I guess it is all about how many tools do you have in your toolbox that you can draw from to help. Ground you and bring you back when you start to feel yourself going down those lines. That when I find myself getting overwhelmed by something, just it is just, and granted, it's not a life threatening situation. And maybe even if it is, just I am just doing things. Okay, it might feel overwhelming, it probably feels overwhelming because I'm doing things that are outside my normal comfort zone. So I don't necessarily feel as if I have the tools to deal with this. Like if you have a task that you know you can do, it's not going to lead you to feel overwhelmed. But naturally, if you're doing something that's pushing you outside of that comfort zone, which I think is where a lot of growth comes from, you are probably going to feel overwhelmed at some point. It's challenging you and your values as a person as to like what you know you have the ability to do. So again, to try and remind myself, I've gotten this far just to doing things. Can I just keep doing things? yes okay what's the immediate thing that i can do within this environment of unknown that's all i should really focus on so yeah on those days where i'm like um, and i think this is really important as well it is when a task does feel unmanageable it's like chunking it down so the book i've got to write is like 80, words like that's more than i've ever written ever shane i'm full of words Got plenty of words to say but putting them on paper in a way that you think people will actually you know enjoy it's digestible it's understandable it resonates with them and to remember as well that it's not a complete encyclopedia of the topic you're talking about and you're trying to distill this information down to the 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 most appropriate or at least useful things and then you wrestle with the idea that okay it's never going to be perfect because nothing ever is perfect and although it is this final product that is solidified in the world and there forever I say forever in, term, in like inverted commas because, you know, nothing really lasts forever. And in a few generations, people will have forgotten about it anyway. But to wrestle with all of that and break it down and think, okay, I don't actually have 80,000 words to write. Obviously, I do. But I made an Excel spreadsheet where I literally track all of the words I've written. And then it calculates the percentage of how much of the book I've written. So then I think, okay, it stops becoming about I need to write 80,000 words i just need to see that percent go up yeah that's all i need to do if that percent is just going in the right direction like then okay money. i'm making progress
0: it's like when you're saving for a house or something like that it's kind of like you just need to see that bank balance go up that i'm closer to that goal um so or yeah. when you're losing
1: weight and that's something yeah, i know the other way it's, way it's gonna go on, on that I personally way personally yeah. don't yeah. yeah exactly and i think that's also where people will really struggle. And again, I don't work a huge amount with, with weight loss clients. It's not something I really focus on. It's not the the, the method I've chosen to support people with um, based on my experiences, really, and my interests and my knowledge. But I think it's where people can really get thrown off is you see what you might be doing all of the right things. But the metric you're choosing to measure that with isn't going in the right direction because you expect it to every single day. But really, that progress is never a linear one-to-one it's going to go straight, correlation, every single day. It is going to oscillate and go up and down. But again, it's trajectory overall and zooming out a little bit rather than hyperfixating on that day, which I think can be really hard to do. And also coming back to your point as well, like I'm someone that has struggled with my mental wellbeing, and I'm sure you have. I think often there, there are so many reasons I could speculate as to why. And I think sometimes it really comes down to the idea of, putting a huge amount of pressure on yourself to feel a particular way where maybe you don't and there are some times in our life where we will need to rest sorry there's someone at my door Shane I don't know if you can hear that (laughs) there are times in our life when we are going to need to rest and we're going to need to like slow down and if there are days where I feel like I can't write maybe I should listen to that maybe I shouldn't write that day maybe I should focus on something else that's going to fulfill me a little bit more maybe rather than trying to get blood from a stone I don't know if you ever find yourself in those situations, maybe where if you're dealing with your business or your podcast or making content or your group coaching or individual coaching, I know I have this task to do, but I just don't have it in me to do that today. So I'm going to give myself complete unadulterated, I don't know if that's the right word, but it feels good, complete permission to not do that thing today and to focus on fueling and fulfilling myself.
0: Yeah, I, there are days that I'm kind of like, well, I don't need to do everything. So, like, I know the last two days have been mental and working, like, 13, 14-hour days. But I know today... Like busy days. Yeah. So, they're long, hard days. So, I know today there's going to be a little bit more of a step back that I'll be like, right, what what can I do today that's going to make this day a success? And that, for me, is just getting out for a walk. That And then I break it down that way. But what people think it's particularly with tasks is they have to be a hundred percent all the time to see some sort of progression enough for me is for a walk if my mental health is okay the rest will be okay that means i'm rested that means i need to take a step back That mean my sleep will improve my sleep is improved i won't be as overwhelmed my stress will be a little bit lower i'll be able to impact and do what i can for others with my job and because it's quite intense with the amount of people that i'm working with and the, the level that i work with them on But it also allows me to kind of say, right, if I get my walk in, I'm gonna be okay. It's kind of that time to kind of recenter yourself. I stopped listening to fitness podcasts. I only listen to like Wednesday's Peter Crouch, um, the Peter Crouch podcast, or a football podcast, and I completely zone out and then I stress myself out because Man United are so shit. And it's really sad. It's really sad. And my brother my brother got me United tickets for Christmas. And I still haven't decided if he loves me or hates me. (laughs) I asked him and I just got this look
1: back. I was like, he he still doesn't know. Um, Yeah, I'm not personally a a football fan. I I play football. I enjoy football, but I uh, I prefer to be uh, Switzerland in the discussion of football and be neutral because it means you're never going to get let down in that situation. Yeah, it makes me think a lot about um, how I've had to uh, learn how to rest And it might sound a bit counterintuitive because there are times in my life where I've been really lazy. And I don't think most of us are actually lazy. No, And we all have parts of us that are lazy. But we might attribute our laziness to not working out. But when we're working a nine to five job to do our absolute best to pay our bills and we're dealing with stress and relationships and emotional turmoil in our family unit, whatever it might be. Dealing with those things isn't lazy. It can be really, really, really hard, and there's only so much energy you can give into the world. And I think I definitely had to learn to slow down and stop when I need to, rather than just trying to hammer it a lot more. And I don't know if I've ever, I can't say what, what burnout is. but I think burnout is a zone rather than a particular thing. And there's definitely times in my life where I've hit points where I just don't have the energy and i have to recognize that and stop and slow down and it makes me think a lot about like the word balance and i think balance is one of those like buzzwords in fitness isn't it you need a balanced approach but, like what actually is a balanced approach and i think about the definition of balance is your ability to maintain stability in a position and i think about like walking on a tight rope i think that's something we could all appreciate how difficult it would be to balance in that situation especially if you've never done it before when I imagine that, if someone's never stood on a tightrope before and they try to stand on balance, they're not going to be perfectly stable in the middle. They'll be swaying around all over the fucking place. For me, when I think about balance, that's what it is. It's kind of going from one extreme to the other, but doing your absolute best to stay in the middle as long as possible. And often when we're first starting something, we're not going to be very good at that in the beginning. And it comes back to that point we were talking about earlier, of being willing to be shit at something, but exposing yourself to it more, doing more of the thing in order to get better at it. And balance is exactly the same. Over time, the more you practice, someone that's an experienced tightropist, is that a thing? Anyway, you know, I, don't know Ryan,
0: that.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have no idea, but I think you will know what I mean. An experienced tightropist will be good at maintaining that balance from their practice, from exposing themselves to those extremes. But if you're always going to try and hammer, work, 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 do more, 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 is an inevitable way it's going to lead to burnout. And I think often when people start on Barking on their exercise journey. I know I did. Can't speak for you, Shane. I know a lot of people I've worked with in the past is very much this all or nothing mindset of trying to do as much as you can for as long as you possibly can. And I really believe if people understood actually that less is more approach. And I think, you know, if you continuing the rant, Shane, with passion, if you did one workout a year, that's 52 workouts in a year, maths. Are you stuck at that rather than doing three a week for a month or let's say five a week for a month and you do 20 workouts, more maths, and then you burn out and then you stop and you don't do it because you're injured or you're sick or you're tired or whatever it might be, which one is going to lead to more results in the long run? That's one you can stick to, isn't it? Yeah. I think it comes down to be willing to stop and to rest and to have a better definition of what that balance is. Thank you for listening to my rant, Shane. Over to you, sir. (laughs) Welcome to my TED Talk. Um, No,
0: but I think what you said there at the end is that all or nothing approach is what an awful lot of people can adopt. And we're in, what, the 10th of January when we're recording this. And people will be in the height of that at the minute from post-Christmas. And the all or nothing approach is kind of like, you must be very happy to have no money but you also must be very happy to have all the money because that's essentially what you were saying with all or nothing. Stress. Anxiety. More stress. Trouble sleeping. It's a continuous negative cycle. This seems to be the norm for modern life. It doesn't always have to be like this though. Try CBD Self's uniquely formulated combination of CBD and CBG de-stress oil. Designed to help naturally reduce stress and anxiety. Become your best self with CBD Self. Check out the website www.cbdself.com and use Shane one five to get a 15% discount off your order and no one wants no money yes we want all the money but you must be happy with either of those approaches because that's what most people's approach is to health fitness food nutrition it's like I'm either on plan in inverted commas, or I'm off plan no no, no. Mm. you are just giving up or you haven't found the right approach and the approach mm. that works for Adam will be the different approach to me I Adam might be doing intermittent fasting or I might kind of eating a little bit more in the evenings or whatever it may be. There's very, very different approaches. But I spoke to the group clients last night was about, you'll be better off having 52 imperfect weeks rather than having six perfect weeks. Yeah, agreed. Because 52 imperfect weeks is going to be a hell of a lot closer. So I love the way you broke it down into like, rather than doing three or four workouts every single week. Why not break it down by the end of each month in four weeks? If you take, on average, a month is four weeks. Say by the end of each month that you're going to have maybe eight workouts done. So to break it that down again, you're probably going to need to do two workouts. Like it doesn't, how, it doesn't matter how long they are, whether that's 20 minutes or it's a run or whatever, but it breaks that down. And then if you get one month of two workouts, you may be able to increase that if you want. Most people focus too much on increasing their exercise in January. Thinking that's going to lead to weight loss, when I would honestly believe that 97% of it is your nutrition, your habits, your behaviours, your awareness. And that's the 97% that most people forget about and they wonder why they go nowhere very fast.
1: Yeah, it's hard because, I, again, I don't speak a huge amount about fat loss. Um, and so I don't work a huge amount with with my clients. Some it is a factor and I'll help them because I think it's involved in, you know, making a decision for yourself if it's something that's important to you. But I think as well, it comes down to just finding a way that somebody can stick at it for the long run. I talk about this so much and I've become really fascinated with the idea and something we're all taught as kids is the tortoise versus the hare. and We all know who wins, but somewhere along the way of growing up, we forget that. There's a reason that story has stuck around for so long. I think about that with all the old stages that we're told as kids. There's a reason we're told them. There's messages in there that we're meant to pick up, but we forget them along the way and suddenly they stop applying to us. And I feel really fascinated about the sort of lessons that I'm going to try to teach my little girl as she grows up. Now, inevitably, she's going to be herself. She's going to find her way in the world. But what are the things that I want to teach her? And back to the point you were saying about being willing to be imperfect. And obviously, I work a lot with like mobility, Flexibility is a big part of that. It's not the only part of mobility, but it is a big part. And I think it's quite a funny thing. In order to improve your flexibility, you have to be willing to be flexible with how you approach your flexibility. And it means the same with any pursuit, you have to be willing to be flexible. You can have a perfect plan and you could try planning all your workouts for the next year, but it's not going to fucking happen. <laughs> something is going to fuck you up and get in your way. I promise you. Like something will come out of nowhere. Whether it's you getting ill, you're getting sick, you're getting injured, a family disaster, whatever it might be, something is going to get in your way. And if you're so set on having that um, perfect ticking of a box, you're never going to achieve it. And I think it's all well and good bringing problems up, but you have to be willing to contribute solutions. And I don't always have solutions to all the problems. But one thing I found really helpful with myself from moving away from that like perfectionist mindset, all or nothing mindset, it's really helped a lot of my clients is working with, I, I call it like a buffer zone. So it's the idea that rather than I need three workouts a week, okay, if I can do between one and three, that's a win. You know, my minimum, my yep. non-negotiable that I will stick to, that accounts for life intervention, divine intervention, if you so believe in that, In that, that gives you that flexibility. For whatever reason, if you can't do three workouts, but if you can still hit that minimum, you can still feel positive. And I think rather than set your expectations so high and fall beneath them and feel dissatisfied, But you know, if you said if you decided that earning, let's say, a hundred thousand pounds in a year or hundred thousand euros in a year was success, and you earn eighty thousand, you might be dissatisfied because of the differential. Whereas actually, eighty thousand is a huge amount of money that is way above an average. That if you focused on the opposite, okay, anything above a certain amount is good. You're more likely to feel a bit satisfied by it, and I think it's really important. I something i found really useful is just giving yourself a bit of a buffer zone. It's okay, to listen to your body a little bit more. And there are some days where you probably don't need to push as much as you think you do in order to get results and zooming out into the long-term a little bit, being the sexy tortoise and versus the, the hair, probably going to lead to long-term results. And a little bit more satisfaction rather than burning yourself down to the ground.
0: I really like that idea of the buffer zone. Uh, I've kind of like, I think just doing something. Rather than doing nothing for the week, having that even if it's 2% towards your goal, it's better than trying to do 100% at all times. But I really like I heard that yeah, of that buffer zone.
1: I heard a really nice phrase from Josh Taylor. Um, love this, Geese. I don't know if you've seen his work on Instagram. Sensational coach. I think he's phenomenal. Would really recommend checking him out. And he wrote it as always something over all or nothing. And that really sticks with me. It is that, isn't it? It's how can we just get you doing always something in an imperfect world, which we live in, versus I'm either in or I'm out. You don't need that. Just chip away. My, my mate, he says something really nice. He runs a charity. His name's Charles Mears. Calls him Woody is his name. He's done some ridiculous feats. He's got burpied up Ben Nevis. Jesus. He runs a charity called, I oh know, ludicrous. He runs a charity called the Woodpecker Project, which is about uh, helping to raise money to get fitness professionals, mental health trained so that every gym has somebody that is first aid, sorry, mental health first aid trained in every gym. So Everybody has that. You know, the gym is a, a, a sanctuary for a lot of people where they go to sort of tend to their mental needs as much as it is their physical needs it had a really positive impact on me. Although I don't believe it is therapy whatsoever, I believe it does have a therapeutic impact on people's lives when approached in the right way. And he had a really nice thought when it was like he saw a woodpecker, and it was like the woodpecker was just chipping away. And I think it is just that it's just keep chipping away, you know, just doing the little bits for yourself rather than feeling like you need to do really grand things all the time. Which is ironic, considering he burped up Ben Nevis. That's very grand, but I think the idea being that really sticks to me is it is okay to just chip away, and it doesn't have to be you know ludicrous uh, grand gestures. And I also think a lot about. We're really exposed to the top one percent a huge amount. So, what the top one percent have to do often in order to achieve that, I think, requires quite a lot of sacrifice. Yeah. Right? I think a large majority of people, myself included, would probably be happy with actually just achieving like seventy to eighty percent of the effort, <laughs> probably get everything I need in life for seventy to eighty percent effort. I think the moment you start to go over that into the nineties, into the 100s, you probably have to compromise something in order to achieve that. And I, to be honest, I don't think the trade off is worth it. We're exposed to those people because of the nature of media and social media. That I think it lulls us into this feeling that we have to do everything in order to achieve that greatness. But I think it comes down to the understand what we want as individuals, what we want, why it's important to us, what our definition of success is, and then focus on chipping away and seeing progress rather than I will be happy once I get at the top of this mountain. To then find out that fuck actually i was walking up the wrong mountain the whole time which is something i've heard somebody else say which i really liked but i can't remember for the last thing who said yeah, wrong things. ladder against the wrong wall it's kind of like yeah it yeah it's exactly the same analogy exactly the same analogy I, I, I really believe that but i'm not sure about you when you were talking about recruitment earlier but that's how i felt now i spent seven years in a job that I just didn't want to be in and now i feel like i've got my ladder at the right wall and even when i was waking up at five in the morning it and i got a new client i was like oh my god yeah, you get a it.
0: certain buzz out of it you do like it's because it, it's it, you know it's like right i can help this person like my job really is to help people I, sometimes it comes at a cost of me because i try to help too often but it's just when you have someone that you're that's willing to part with their hard very hard-earned money that they're putting their trust in you, it gives you that kind of kind of a boost and confidence for yourself. It's a validation factor. Like, let's not—it's a stroke of the ego. Let's not just call it what it is. It is a oh, stroke yeah. of the ego when you get that little bit, like, oh, someone likes me. Someone's resonated with my content. I'm needy. Come, come, come hither. Come, give, give me hugs. A cat. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Cats just rub against things. Um, so yeah, no, it, it is that whole thing of like. When you, when I was in recruitment, I kind of felt like almost sleazy and dirty because I was taking people out of jobs that they were comfortable in and then maybe even making them move into a job that was a temp job and giving up their pension and putting them into a temporary job that may not be there in nine months when they have a family and a roof over their head and you're trying to talk to them around just for a fucking number on a board to go up for the sake of what, 15% commission and whatever it was? Making money for someone else that you fucking hated. I've always wondered how much
1: recruiters earn.
0: Fifteen percent. It depends. Everyone, everyone's different. Like, but you had to. So the way it worked, the way it worked for me was, uh, until you got to four grand, you got nothing. No, no. Sorry, hang on. You had to make eight grand a month to get some sort of commission, and then you eight grand a month for the company. Yes. So for you'd have to get eight grand of placements. To get some sort of money, and you would only get four thousand of that out of the eight initial the initial so If you got fifteen thousand, you get eleven. You get commission on eleven thousand. Oh, okay, that makes. But sense. you'd have to pay four thousand a month for your desk, essentially. So you were paying rent of four thousand euro a month. So if I got seven, which happened one month, I got seven, nine, 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 and I got this. I got a big fat zero in commission oh
1: getting in it yeah there is the other side to recruitment and one I, I don't know a huge amount but i know they've been incredibly useful for for my brother and my sister at helping him find work um and i think that's a great job work them. Man, i just yeah i mean i, it just, really can uh, me. I
0: just didn't um, that whole piece of moving people for the sake of and having that pressure of and the i also the agency that i was working in your man was renowned for not being a very um nice person it was his name ethical was, human, shall we say
1: yeah i think uh, uh that's when it's tough isn't it where you have to uh you have to put you have to put yourself up pay your bills like you have to do that and i think there are so many people in some really difficult positions where maybe you don't work for the most ethical human being you're not doing a job that you love and it's, i don't think it always is about doing a job that you love like everything has a cost doesn't it and i think it's about movement as an example um, let's see if I can draw a parallel here. <laughs> dived in here, Shana. I dived in bollock naked. And I, don't I, see this this. I, am, I think about, like as an example, like sitting down. I don't think sitting down in itself is bad. But if you're going to do it all day, that is going to have a cost on your body. And the same with doing a job that, let's say, you don't love. You know, it costs a certain amount of time. But if you're able to turn up at 9 a.m., switch off at five PM, like Monday to Friday, and it pays you enough to do the thing that you value and enjoy in your life. Then that cost is worth it because the value it gives outside is, is more positive and benefit, bit of beneficial. Um, yeah, I don't know if I can draw the parallel back to the sitting. We'll just leave it there. <laughs>
0: no, but I understand <laughs> but I what you're trying there to there is... say. Like, I understand. Like, if the sitting piece like people say oh sitting's worse than smoking or something it's like it's fucking not I smoking <laughs> it's
1: just yeah. fucking as somebody not. who smoked for almost mm. 10 years of my life I can confirm it's not as bad as the to smoke it's not like obviously if you're sitting all day at a desk and your back is seizing up where your
0: mobility is shit and it's impacting how you move and you're wrecking your back if you're trying to pick up your kid and stuff there's obviously you need to go to physio and get that sorted or whatever or do some sort of stretching or do something to improve yourself but it's doing something and i think people can forget about like oh there's this new trendy fat loss workout or this new workout that someone showed me on on instagram it's kind of like or this new fad recipe book that someone's putting up or airfire recipe book it's like you don't need all this gimmicky shit
1: all about it is the equivalent stuff. i think of in in my my field as like the mobility world the movement side of things is and i try my best to not do this there may be has been times where have fallen prior to it in terms of trying to increase engagement on social media and grab attention i'm sure we've all seen them where it's like a video of somebody doing a point uh, a move saying like point of view you do this move and suddenly your back pain goes away i think they can be there's a positive in that it might encourage somebody to move and to explore movement for them but if you're somebody doing that move that isn't getting a positive result from it, start to feel like you're the issue and you're doing something wrong and a, a gross oversimplification of something that is incredibly complex. And I think it comes to that point all in for like a fad diet or whatever it might be. It's about exploring like a quick answer to something that probably has a more complex solution. Or maybe it's not even necessarily a complex solution, but just a solution that I think will often take more time. I think, as an example, when I think about um, mental health, for me, if, if I ever struggle with something in my mental health or mental well-being, probably hasn't happened as a result necessarily something that's happened acute. For me personally, in my experience, I believe it would often be more like a, a chronic build-up over time that then leads to something that maybe feels a little bit more acute. I think often can be the same with uh, mobility issues if you do struggle with back pain maybe chances are the inputs you're exposing your body to on a regular basis are leading to this and that it's not necessarily that you sneezed and put your back out that is the immediate thing but it's the chronic buildup of input over time that then leads to that crossing the threshold which causes the issue But so when we try to get out of those sticky situations that like we want something we can click our fingers to and go yes let's get out of it and whether it be dealing with like mental health uh, difficulties or physical injury or chronic pain, it probably is something that will take a lot more work and months or even years to do so. And again, it comes back to a rather original point we we're talking about, about being willing to be bad at something where you're stepping into different, different, different territory, you know?
0: But it also probably took months or years to get to that position of that discomfort for some people, obviously, yeah, it's one the previous positions. So it's kind of like it's taken a while to, disimprove yourself. So it's going to take a while to maybe improve yourself. And that's okay. Like you are allowed to make mistakes. There will be setbacks. And it's almost an arrogance thing that you're not allowed to fail. You're not allowed to make mistakes. You're not allowed to maybe overeat. You're not allowed to stress eat. You're not allowed to to kind of it's almost caring too much what other people are thinking and looking for that acceptance piece of like, oh, I need to be perfect in order to, for this person to like me. It was like, but would you allow that person into your circle? Would you allow that person in your life on a day-to-day basis? Like, we've spoken about nothing that I've sent over to you, by the way.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I'll be honest, I can't so, remember what you sent over to me. I, I'm, so I'm, I'm kind of yeah, glad I'm not got like... the questions. I'm like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I am... Um yeah it's nice when you get it because I I don't really have much opportunity to have like you know longer form conversations apart from being with my clients which again like love and adore um yeah it's nice to sit down and talk about these sorts of things I think there's something again quite cathartic about just exploring your thoughts and especially because I'm fascinated about what makes my brain tick and why it thinks the way that it does I try to approach it from a non-judgmental point of view but it's really hard to do so you know and it's interesting, isn't it? How I think sometimes, and I can't speak for everybody. here Obviously, but we'll hold different people to. We won't hold ourselves to the same standards we'll hold other people. Often, the standards we hold for ourselves will be a lot harsher than we will to other people. And if somebody else were to do something imperfect or make a mistake or fail, that I would hope anyway that we would be less judgmental and be willing to pick that person up and support them probably more readily than we would ourselves. And I think we need to give ourselves the same sort of care and consideration. I am. Um, yeah I, this has become something i've i talk about this again quite a lot it's the idea for me is like not necessarily the the owner of our body so much as i think we are like the guardian of our body yeah like, you know i, I think i have said this in a, a few other podcasts where that's when i really think about you are just kind of just thrown into the world <laughs> like yeah, he, shoes, everyone's winging I mean, us
0: that's the biggest thing I've learned. Everyone yeah. is just doing their best to survive. Sometimes there will be times where you're not surviving very well and that's okay. But it's also looking at what you have around you rather than just pushing, pushing, pushing away. Cause it is easy just to go self-implode mode when shit gets difficult. Um, mm. I know. I've done that previously through my own mental health battles. I literally went full hermit mode and it just doesn't, it's just an easy thing to do because you're control. You're trying to control that situation. You may not have been able to control the outcome of the thing that actually happens to you. But your way of controlling the situation is now, well, if I've been hurt by someone, I will try not to get hurt by someone again. Especially if mm. you're kind of going into a relationship, it's kind of like, well, I've been hurt in one relationship. So maybe in order for, for me to protect myself in another one. I'm not going to give the full story. I'm not going to fully immerse myself into it, but that's not fair on the other person. That's not fair on you because you're not going in gung-ho. You're not going in fully embraced into the actual and being present. I generally think when most people are being present, like we can look at phones all day. When people are not present, that's where the issues can happen for people. When they're worrying about that to-do list. They're worrying about all the washing or the, the cooking or whatever has to be done in the house, or they're worrying about the meetings that are happening in three weeks. The holidays coming up in four weeks. That's where the anxiety comes from,
1: and it's worrying what about. What do you say, are yours? Because I, I, you know, I, I agree. I think I think we're all hardwired to shift into the future or like shift back into the past rather than sort of snapping ourselves a little bit back into now. Like, what are tangible ways for you that you do your best to maintain presence. Because I, I know you're saying this and you'll still struggle with it yeah. like we all do. But I'm curious to know for you what your tools are to help snap you back into reality to stop yourself worrying about shit that isn't going to happen.
0: So the one thing that I will always do is if I, my head is really busy in the ev- in the evenings, I will always write out what is going on or what those lists are or what's going on in my head before I would go to sleep. So if you think about like your thoughts in your head, they're kind of like a a, a can of Guinness. They have like a widget, the little thing that shakes around in the can. So your thoughts are like a widget. They're shaking around all the time in your head. And your brain needs to turn off. So many people are overstimulated before they go to bed through caffeine or their phone or Netflix or their laptops or work. So it's a way for you to get this out onto a piece of paper. And then you can actually look at that piece of paper and look at and realize how unimportant most of those things that you're having like actually rank them in order of importance of one being the most important 10 being very unimportant and actually realize that none of them are important it's literally a to-do list and if you really wanted to do those things you would do those things because when we're overwhelmed tends to come from this thing of I heard this quote of overwhelmed tends to come from doing a whole lot of actions that are against our values so if we're not if we're not sure of our own values, No wonder overwhelm is going to happen. But if we can make this conscious and your values can change, like my values two years ago were very different to where they are now. And they can be fluid. So it's understanding
1: what's important um, to you. It makes me think of two things how there's like active presence, and I don't know if this is really the right word to describe it, but almost like a passive presence. when you're actively approaching the things that are on your mind to try and get them out of your mind. And I think there's a real importance in having, and this is one of the things I value the most about exercise, but not actually just exercise, like sport specifically. So I grew up playing loads of sport and then just stopped for ages. And you know, I'm quite like, I actually enjoy going to the gym. It's something that I've internalized is something I value. It's been a positive impact on my life. And, and same with like running. But when I do those things, I'm still in my head. Whereas I play five-a-side once a week, and oh my God, it is an hour of the week where I think about nothing, apart from I'm like a little Jack Russell. I'm like, get that bag of there. I'm like, get it, get it, get it, get it. And I think there is something so ridiculously invaluable about giving our brain space away from problems to let them tick over in the background. There's, um, you know, like the term uh, to to sleep on it. Yeah. It's like, uh, when you have an issue, sleep on it. I, I heard something which I really liked. I'm awful for this, shame because I have no idea where I heard it, but <laughs> I heard it somewhere. It was the idea that and I might be saying absolute shite. So if I'm wrong, don't judge me. It's still a nice concept. that in French language, supposedly, it's not sleep on it. It's sleep with it. And I think that's the idea of, you know, being willing to give ourselves space to sit with that issue and how good our brain is at actually solving those issues when we allow it to have that space. I think it's really important to sort of have both if you're dealing with that overwhelm and you're trying to be a little bit more present. There's the active presence of sitting with the problem. And then there's almost like the passive of being willing to give your brain space by doing something else completely where you are completely focused on what you are doing in that moment because i actually think as well when you're sitting writing about all the things on your brain although they are all the things on your brain they're probably all things on your brain that have to do with other time zones whether it's past or present or future rather than actually what you're doing right now although maybe you're writing and that is something that's dragging you into the present i can't think of anything better i'd be really interested to hear other people's like things that they find themselves the most present because the the best mechanism I have is is playing a sport, and I know a lot of people that don't enjoy playing a sport. But I'd be such an advocate of more people doing it because there's nothing in the world that makes me so well and truly present. I agree. Where I'm just taking the ball around. I agree with you. Like I like I
0: play football or soccer, whatever they want to call it. And I know, like, um, like I know a football training tonight. I don't really want to go. It's fucking cold. Um, but I know that for that hour and a bit of football training it's my time literally just to kind of release a little bit of frustration Mm. but also to be present with the lads have the crack with the lads and you do miss that that banter and being able to just kind of run around because there's no worries in your head yeah that you could have a shit pass or whatever it may be or the ball rolls over into your foot but you're also you're kind of you're in the moment you're not really focusing on anything else for that 90 minutes on a Saturday morning that's all you're really thinking about. You're not worrying about your problems. It's your release. It's your. That helps, definitely helps me. And exercise do, can help people. But there's a fine line between using exercise solely as therapy. And some people can go yeah, down no, I agree, yeah. um, And I've done it's that balance, before. isn't it? Yeah. We're, back to, we're back, walking, walking, walking,
1: back to those tightrope walkers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I love it, though, mate. I, I agree with you. And I, I know there will be a lot of people that don't enjoy sport, and maybe it will be painting. You know, it, it. I think it's completely submersing yourself in something that is physical that allows your brain to do its thing. Like, it's it's thing at its own time. But again, it's not been so. Um, I don't know what I was about to say. Gung ho. I don't think I've ever said that in my life. But I'm going to commit to it. Like so gung-ho at committing to distracting yourself by doing that that you don't actually address something head-on. You might see me walk across my room now, Shane. I'm going to let my cat in because she's just buzzing her nut off at the door scratching and she's going to be an absolute pain in the backside. There she goes. Um, but yeah, I really think it's important to draw from that both and uh, give brain space but also tackle things head-on. Um, and I guess it will come down to like you said. Because I think presents, not like Christmas presents, although as nice as they are, uh, presents can feel a bit like a like a bit of a buzz again like balance and sustainability and being present it's like whenever i hear that my first thing is like what does that actually mean I'm like, how do you actually do that i guess it's about learning and playing and exploring excuse me uh, exploring what works for you and being willing to um try lots of different things until you recognize maybe retrospectively that oh actually i spent 90 minutes not thinking about that thing so i should probably dive a little bit more into that thing but also I should probably spend some active time addressing that as well, rather than just letting it tick over in the background. Oh, we love that balance, Shane. All, all, about the balance.
0: all about the balance. No, I love that. Um, And I think there's so much in that. I think the overwhelm uh, piece to kind of like being in the moment about kind of being clear on your values, understanding why you do certain things, looking at what's around you and who you have around you. I think there's so many really positive messages. And I think sometimes it can... I found the reaction to the podcast when I'm not talking about fitness, get the bigger ones. Like the episode with Gavin, I did another
1: episode with Oshin Mulligan. I, cool. I like Oshin. I don't know very well, but any interaction I've had with him, he's been a really, really, really I'm lovely gentleman, Absolutely gentleman.
0: Yeah. So yeah, it's when we're talking about kind of mental health side of things and mindset side of things, see, people tend to latch onto a little bit more than me
1: and protein. If I'm really honest, uh, I know I'm a PT, but, I think fitness is quite boring, mate. <laughs> I don't oh, know what it is yeah.
0: all the time. People you know, overcomplicate it as well, though. I do honestly think that people over like f- Nutrition as a concept is overcomplicated. It doesn't help with the raft of horseshit that you see on social media. People go walking around supermarkets saying that like eddie abu who goes and says you shouldn't eat processed food or shouldn't eat vegetables because they're going to give you like i don't know general warts or whatever he is bullshit he's come up with but i'm like you're not having sex with the fucking vegetable one um unless you're into that saying things i don't know but like it's just a song with there's so, much, bull- <laughs> no, there's so much bullshit out there like yeah. someone on saldino or Saldano or whatever the fuck his name is there's a lot of idiots There are
1: i am um... Yeah, I, I think it's about because I, I I've wrestled with this idea. I say wrestle with this idea. There are so many people pumping out like huge amounts of misinformation, and there's a huge amount of like call out culture, and it's something that I generally try to stay away from and try to stay in my. lane. I just want to do Yeah, I just hope that my message will reach enough people in a positive way, and and hopefully be grounded in enough decent information. Because I, I get really scared about chatting a load of shit. I have a some of the biggest uh, like seals of approval I've had is having like well-respected physiotherapists and chiropractors follow me and say your work's good, I respect it, and that for me has been like oh my god, thank fuck because I just the last thing I want to do is like misguide somebody and fill them with a load of bollocks. But I do get really interested when I look at people like uh, Eddie, that is, you know, a lot of the stuff he will be saying is just not grounded in evidence. There just isn't, but there seems to be this weird then you scroll through some of the comments. It's like how many people are saying they've been helped by that. And I wonder how powerful that placebo effect is for people. If you believe something can have a positive impact on you, even if it isn't you know, valid, true evidence-backed information, if you believe it's going to have a positive impact, can it? And I'm really curious to know, and I say this with no understanding, I don't know the answer, the impact that that has in the long term following misinformation to people um it's yeah every it, day. it
0: will like if it starts to impact in your health and your mental health down the line i think that's where it's gone too far but it's at what stage does it need to get
1: to to get away from it because oh, mate, in, a, in a in a perfect world you know I, I would it would be things that are evidence-backed i think it's also important to remember that there are, are things that we don't know it's so important to be as grounded yeah. in evidence and science as possible you know anecdotes are important and they play their role and how they impact individual people yeah when there is somebody that is actively aware they are uh, pumping misinformation and this is what makes me wonder is when i hear people saying something like, this, I'm like do you actually really believe that like vegetables are bad I'm like, <laughs> I'm like what i don't understand how somebody can truly believe that but again yeah that's why i try to stay in my lane because even just talking about it a little bit i feel exhausted by it i'm like oh god yeah i'm uh, not like a confrontational sort of person i find it really hard to be confrontational in my nature it's something that i will struggle with and, and and you know it might be a positive it might be a negative but i very much found that my life is more fulfilling when i stay in my lane and i focus on positively contributing to to, to my audience the people that i speak to rather than worrying too much about what other people are doing and i see people like lane norton who obviously incredibly knowledgeable human i've learned a huge amount from him myself uh focusing on, on calling people out ben carpenter does it in a very classy way i respect what he does and i respect any of them that, that put their effort into that i just don't know how they, how they do it I just couldn't, just couldn't do it. it's, it's dealing
0: with the backfire that i would really really struggle with i'm not as Dang. secure maybe as them but like ben does it in a very classy way and a very posh sweary way lane <laughs> where lane goes a very very different avenue but he does neither of them ever go after the individual it's not about attacking character, it's attacking misinformation. It's attacking your yeah. misinformation. So that's, there's a fine line because I remember watching uh, an episode of, and I don't really listen to many of the episodes that are based on nutrition, but Diary of a CEO, they had Giles Yeo on. Don't know him, Talking no. about like weight loss. it's it like calories uh, aren't the actual premise behind weight loss. Some quote like that. I, I might
1: have seen something
0: like that. Yeah, yeah. But if you look at the comments of that episode of the video, all that's happening is they're attacking the individual of that he looks a certain way because he doesn't look a certain way or isn't a six-pack nutritionist or whatever it is. They've gone after him for his race. They've gone after him for his weight. They've gone after him for X, Y, or Z. None of the people have actually gone out about it because of the information. The information he has said is correct. It's just that people maybe don't, understand the full nuance of what he is saying food is general nutrition is generally somewhere in the middle if there's an extreme left or an extreme right there's probably too far gone
1: i think you can draw that and probably put that in life as a whole you know that oh, like food 100 and we've gone that <laughs> way
0: we've gone that way like I, I heard... social media like people are like oh. well i want to get big on social media I want to blow up on social media. I want all the clients in the world. I want all the money in the world. And like, you don't. I like get fifty people came into you today.
1: You wouldn't be able to deal with them. I am. I kind of really annoyed. I can't remember. You I heard. It's. Uh, it's on a on a podcast. That like, again, video based podcast. But it's talking about something called the the biopsychosocial model of pain. And the idea is that pain isn't just mechanical. It's not just influenced by your body and the structures but on your biology, your psychology towards pain, also your social circumstances as well. You know, I think stress is a form of pain as an example. One of the things he talks about, I'm really annoyed, I can't remember the guy's name, but about embracing the grey. And it's something I'm trying to get better at and that we don't know everything and that there is a grey area and it's okay to have a grey area and to, to hold our hands up and say, I actually don't know the answer to that. Yeah. And that scientific debate is something that's always existed. It's not a new phenomenon, but it is really intriguing. So, you know, over the last 10 years at the boom of social media, how the realm in which scientific debate and discussion happens has very much changed. And that it's not just in like, uh, I don't want to say elite, but higher up uh, qualified individuals having that discussion. And now it's everybody, isn't it? And everybody has their their two cents. Yeah, may I stick in my lane. I don't, I don't know if that's the most positive thing to do in terms of how it positively impacts the world. But I feel it comes for me. It's like, you've got to fill your own cup. You've got to put on your own oxygen mask before you do everyone else's. It's like, look after yourself and what you need to do in order to be the most positive impact in the world. Because if you can't look after number one, then number two will suffer. So if I can't take care of myself, then my partner will suffer. And there is a part where you also need to be supported by others around you, of course. But putting myself at the front of that, for me, the idea of even diving into that sort of stuff just exhausts me. So it's not something that I'm ever going to do. Stay in my lane, Shane. I'm going to keep talking about tightropists and uh, and lube and lubing up hips and inappropriate playing things like that, and yeah. hope that does some good. Yeah, Pl- playing with balls and lube—that's what. That's <laughs> what. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do wonder how much this will change if I have a child. Probably will. Who knows? I wouldn't too... say you're going to change at all. I would say just don't
0: change. I would say like that's my level of sense of humour. Genuinely, I am like. <laughs> yeah,
1: I... it's interesting because when we talk about. Um, not, we've spoken about not caring about what people think and you know, obviously I do and I'm s- hyper aware of the negativity bias and I used to get it all the time in my old job where you'd talk to 100 people and 99 of those people would genuinely be very nice. Actually I think it's more like 90% of people will be nice 9% of people will be lovely, like so incredibly heartwarmingly wonderful and 1% will be heinous human beings yeah. and they will leave biggest impact versus the 99 and you know it's a classic with like a comment on like you get on social media and you can really hold on to it and and dwell on it and it's really easy to be to be shaped by those things but I think fundamentally if you're going out of your way to do your best to be to be a kind and a nice person what that looks like and you're always still going to rub somebody off the wrong way doesn't always have to be a reflection on you you're going in with good intention trying to be kind trying to be nice and trying to positively impact the world you know you can go to bed rest your head easy that you're doing your best to do that um and not always take on that negative in the world I, i try to do my best to be quite like positively shifted and focused so i i see a lot of people beaten down by like an incessant negative view of the world i think if you choose to see the world where you'll only see the world like it more through that lens it might be really hard but choosing to find a positive in something no matter how blatantly negative it might be is for me a much more joyous way of living in the world and i can't see any other way of doing it really it's like the rather be an optimist and be wrong than a pessimist and be right i guess um i don't know why i started speaking about that shame it just came out of my brain but i mean it but well, i think but generally when people, when those random when those random words of
0: wisdom kind of generally come out they generally are the way that where people will to actually latch onto
1: that sentence. Um, I know why I said it, because I'm still gonna be making ball jokes when I have a baby daughter. Again, I'm <laughs> my dad was always quite embarrassed <laughs> with me. And I can already feel that I'm gonna be a, a horribly embarrassing dad. And a future daughter, I embrace just it. want to apologize for the embarrassment I am going to infringe on your life. Please know I do it with all of the love in the world. Embrace it.
0: That's what I would say. Um Adam, I could chat all day and I know you have a book to write. Um, so, <laughs> and that book is what we're going to talk about now. Where can people find out about the brand new book, The Mobility Method? Mate, i writing a out. book as
1: well. The book ain't out yet. The book is out in September uh, this year, actually, which is quite wild to say. It's due to come out on September the 12th. Um, I am balls deep in the writing process. And as difficult as it is, I'm loving it. And it's such an amazing opportunity to sort of, like reaffirm how I approach mobility as a whole. Um, so it's called the Mobility Method, um, supported by Penguin. They've been absolute legends of the publishers that have given me this opportunity. I guess it's kind of like my ultimate beginner's guide to mobility and, and trying to decomplicate and demystify something that is innately really complex and try to make it as digestible and funny as possible. Um, but also it's taking people, you know, kind of like through what what is mobility you know, and why is it important to you? Like why why do you want to improve your ability to move? um and how does that support your purpose in the world and then it's like hopefully some digestible ways that you can challenge and test your mobility and look at improving it so you can keep clicking your heels for the rest of your life and um you can find it on i guess my socials um yeah i'm called adam richardson i actually only have one a in my name but my socials is a adam richardson really hard to get one you know there's a lot of adam richardson's in the world shane (laughs) a lot of us um, are there many Shane Walshes? Uh Yeah, there's three or four, three famous ones. So the main guy from The Walking Dead. Is he called Shane Walsh? Are you talking about the guy Rick? The yeah. guy that was also in Love Actually? Uh, no, it's the other guy.
0: The guy that was in, oh, what the hell is he in? It's the other guy that's Shane Walsh. Um,
1: oh, are you talking about The Punisher?
0: Yeah. I haven't never seen The Walking Dead. I just know that uh, his name is Shane Walsh. There's a very famous uh, GAA footballer. He's probably one of the best in the country from Galway. And then there is another hurler from Waterford. I think. Uh, So there's three, uh, (laughs) and then there's a lot. So if you type in Shane Walsh, it will come up as the guy from. uh, Not that I just sit around googling myself all day.
1: Yeah, you do. Hey, we've all done it. I've done it. I've shamelessly just done it right now. I am, um, yeah, you can you can also find me on um you can find me on uh Google. Yeah, if you Google Adam Richardson, I'm actually at the top. I'm well happy about that. There is another geese in there who is the goalkeeper for Sunderland. Uh I think Sunderland Juniors. But yeah, you can you can Google Adam Richardson, the book's called The Mobility Methods. Uh you can buy it on Amazon, Penguin, Waterstones. Zones. I mean, it is way ahead time but apparently pre-orders really help so if anyone does is interested in learning a little bit more about my philosophy to exercise and my practical application of that philosophy and hopefully some really like simple ways of trying to make it stick in your life i think that's for me what it's about but how can you make this a consistent pursuit that enhances your life rather than approaching exercise from like an air of punishment and something that you you loathe you know finding tolerable ways of, of making that stick so you can keep doing the things you want to for a long period of time but also i guess enjoy them a little bit now um and yeah it's quite an interesting idea of like how you can make writing about movement engaging quite a challenge but i'm enjoying it and it's fun and uh yeah i think despite how hard it is i'm hoping people will really enjoy it so yeah no well, and why if, it, why I, if, if you don't you don't have to
0: <laughs> no but i and i, and I think people if, if you follow if you go over and follow um had up on socials you'll see how relatable the content is how simple it is the little ideas that he has and the way experiences- thank you mate and I think that's a that very gonna, kind that's, that's a spike across in the
1: book. So I would like I've already ordered my my pre order. So oh, lad. Mate, that means the world to me, mate. I uh, yeah, I, for me, I, yes, it's the weirdest thing in the world. I am just feel so fucking blessed at how unbelievably loving and supportive people have been towards it. And uh yeah, if it if it positively, you know, even as a positive smidge of impacting people, um, I'm I'm really, 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 really appreciate. I'll be really thankful. And uh, I really appreciate everybody who has invested in it. So thank you so much. I appreciate awesome. your time today, Shane. Thank Adam, you, thank you so much for fun. coming on. My man, absolute pleasure. Thank you, sir.
0: What a freaking episode. So massive thank you for Adam for coming on to the the podcast today and sharing his amazing story. It's great to have just a chat like as if it was two people having a chat and a, and a cup of tea. So massive thank you. If you're interested in Adam's book, click on the link in the show notes. As always, please leave a review up on iTunes and up on Spotify. The more people that do that, the more the guests, the bigger the guests, the more the podcast grows, the more podcast grows, proper information is given out with proper people knowing what they're talking about rather than looking for sensational headlines. So as always, please review, please support, and thank you so much for listening to today's podcast.